Good morning. Will you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for gathering us together this morning. We pray as we move through your word that you would strengthen us, that you would help us in our faith, that we would be more and more committed to you and what you have called us to do and to be. It's in Jesus' name and by the Spirit we pray, amen. Have you considered what we're doing here? Why is it that we gather together for an hour each Sunday morning? Why do we go through the same motions week after week? What is, this, what is the purpose of this service of worship? Is it for mere entertainment? Some people, some churches would argue that we need to be entertained on Sundays. We need flashy lights and a strong sounding bass in the band to draw in people from outside. The service should be entertaining to attract as many people as possible and to keep meat in the seats or the pews. But in doing so, the audience is viewed as sovereign. The service is dictated by who is in the seats or not in the seats. And what elements of the service draw people in? We want the service to be excellent, yes. But can we all agree that entertainment is not what we're doing here? Are you not entertained? Or some would argue that the worship service is meant to inspire people. Sure, on some level, the pastors hope we all walk away inspired and uplifted by the service. But that too falls short of what the service of worship is all about. There are many things that can inspire us outside of church on Sunday mornings, so the service must be more than just inspiration. Perhaps what we're doing is coming to be taught. This is getting closer and definitely part of what we experience on a weekly basis. Pastors Chad and Dave do a lot of teaching from this pulpit, but it is still not the central theme of Sunday morning worship. If it was, then Sundays would be just a sermon and some bumper material. If this was the only need for a worship service, then we could have the sermon, sing a song afterwards, and then all say, Amen, and be gone. But even this falls short of what we are doing on Sundays during this service. So if what we're doing here is not for entertainment, not only to be inspired and not only to hear a sermon, then what are we doing? We are taking part in a covenant renewal ceremony. All that we do on Sunday is part of one big ceremony. We are renewing covenant. We are renewing our covenant relationship with God and Him with us. Before we go any further, I think it'd be helpful if we are reminded of what a covenant is. It is basically an agreement between God and human beings where God promises blessings if the conditions are kept 
and threatens curses if they are broken. It's like a contract. Party A agrees to these terms with party B. But if either party doesn't hold up their end of the contract, then these consequences will be handed down. It's a contract with a religious or theological framework and usually requires some sort of blood ritual to seal the deal. So when we gather for worship, we are engaging in covenant renewal with God. And our passage from Exodus 24 bears this out. The elements for worship services follow in the footsteps of this chapter. There are three elements expressed here. The book of the covenant, blood of the covenant, and bread of the covenant. All three elements are part of a worship service, a covenant renewal ceremony. The book of the covenant is first mentioned in verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. This book contained all that Moses reported in verse 3. Moses came and told the people all the words the Lord and all the words of the Lord and all the rules. What were the words and the rules? The words refer back to the Decalogue, the ten words or the ten commandments. Remember Pastor Dave preaching on those last week? Yeah, neither do I. The rules refer to the statutes that God laid out in the previous chapters, 21 through 23. We are told that Moses initially reported these things to the people. He verbally conveyed to them what he had received from the Lord. But he didn't stop there. Moses also wrote down the same material that he had told the people. He went to great pains to write down all the words of the Lord. He compiled the words and statutes into a book, the book of the covenant, which he also read back to the people. In both instances of hearing the ten words and statutes, the people responded with affirmation, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They affirmed this twice, a double witness. But they will quickly forget their own words later on in chapter 32, which is the golden calf episode. That's one reason why it's important to hear God's word over and over so that we don't forget what he has to say to us and what he has done for us. The reading and hearing of God's word is part and parcel of the covenant renewal ceremony. That's why we at Trinity have three scripture passages read every Sunday so that we may hear God's word in its entirety from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That way we get the law, the words and statutes, the blessings and the curses and the promises. We get the teaching and application of God's word and we get the story of Jesus and his grace and mercy and sacrifice. We get it all. Without the reading of God's word in its entirety, we miss out on the big picture, the grand scheme of God's plan. We miss out on fully understanding redemptive history, what God has done for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and everything leading up to that point. And so, as Moses read the book of the covenant to the people, 
we read and hear the same words. And as the people responded to hearing God's word, we also respond by faith as well. The second part to the worship service in this chapter is blood. Moses erected an altar for the people to make sacrifices on. We are told that Moses sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Now, we know that the offerings called burnt should be ascension offerings. Pastor Chad and Dave have mentioned that several times before. The burnt offerings are ascension offerings. The burnt or ascension offerings signify the person entering the presence of God. As the smoke from the sacrifice rises, it joins and mingles with the glory cloud. So the person is lifted up and accepted by God. This is the first place where a peace offering actually takes place in Scripture. It is mentioned in chapter 20 as part of the Lord's statutes. But in our chapter, it is, it is there that it is accomplished for the first time. The peace offering signifies communion and, well, peace with God. It's a shared meal between the person and God himself. Covenants were often concluded with a meal. Think about in our own times, a a wedding, for example, which is a covenant ceremony. It typically has a meal following the ceremony. The meal is shared between the bride and the groom, but also the family and friends of the bride and groom. The two parties have a shared meal together as part of the covenant ceremony, a peace offering. Sacrifices had been made on the altar. Moses kept back some of the blood from the animal sacrifices. Look at verses 6 and 8. It says, And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. What's with all this throwing blood around? It would have been a bloody mess. The blood is consecrating the altar and the people for God. It is marking them for his purposes. But not only that, it's a testimony to both parties to hold up their end of the covenant. The altar may signify God in this instance, Think about the elements of the altar. It's got fire and smoke. Both elements have been theophanies of God in previous chapters. The pillar of fire and cloud leading them through the wilderness. The fire in the burning bush. And later on in this chapter, fire is seen on the mountain. So fire is often associated with God's presence. Therefore, the altar may be part of that picture as well. So when Moses throws blood against the altar, the altar is, he is throwing it to mark God as the God of the Israelites and to have him uphold his part of the covenant. And when he throws it on the people, he's marking them for God. They have been made clean by the blood of the covenant. The sacrifices on the altar were made in their place. The blood that is thrown on them 
was the blood of those sacrifices that should have been their blood. But a substitute was used instead. Imagine having blood flung on you. It would definitely mark up your clothing. It would stain and after a short time even smell a little funky. This reminds me of a Jerry Seinfeld skit where he wondered, what's the deal with these detergent commercials? They tell you how to get blood out of your clothes. If you have blood on your clothes, you have bigger problems than laundry. Anyway, if there is blood on your clothes, not only do you notice it, but other people notice as well. The people were marked by the blood of the covenant. This action set them apart. It sealed them as God's people. They have been initiated into the covenant by the blood of the covenant. The sprinkling has significance for us as well. Notice that the people were not submerged in blood. There wasn't enough blood to do that with to begin. They were sprinkled. In our baptism, we are not submerged, but sprinkled as well. The act of sprinkling babies with water in baptism is rooted in redemptive history. And it is the mark of the new covenant upon the child, setting them apart as Christ's. It is their initiation into the church, the covenant community. Thankfully, on so many levels, blood is no longer used in, baptism, in the baptismal ceremony. But it's the same idea with the sprinkling. The Israelites and the baptized have been set apart. They've been marked as God's people. Jesus picks up on this blood of the covenant when he tells his disciples in the upper room before his crucifixion, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant is ratified in blood as well. Jesus' blood. The blood poured out at that time was not the blood of a bull or lamb, but his own. The new blood of the covenant is the cup that we drink on Sundays. That's why we have the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis. We drink the blood of the covenant as a central part of the covenant renewal ceremony. It is the fulfillment of what the Israelites experienced at the foot of the mountain with Moses. The final part of the covenant renewal ceremony is the bread of the covenant. Now, there is no actual bread mentioned in our passage this morning. But I assume there was some, or, or at least something similar, for we are told that Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 elders ascended the mountain and ate with God. Look at verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. And then in verse 11, And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. What did they eat and drink? Again, I assume some sort of bread or manna was provided for them unless they carried everything up with them. These men climbed the mountain and ate with God. They had a shared meal together. It doesn't really matter what they ate. The main point being, they ate with God. 
They were in his presence and did not die. In fact, they lived and were sustained in life by eating together. As was mentioned earlier, covenants were often concluded with a meal. Therefore, this covenant God is making with Israel is being ratified with a meal on the side of the mountain. The fact that the men do not die on the mountain in God's presence is evidence that they are at peace with him. This meal is reminiscent of the peace offering performed earlier. There it was a symbol, but now in God's presence it is a reality. The two parties are at peace. This is important for us too. For the covenant renewal ceremony that we participate in also consists of a meal, the Lord's Supper. It is in this meal that God renews covenant with us and us with him. We also do not die in God's presence because we have been covered by blood, Jesus' blood. Moses covered the people with the blood of the animal sacrifices, which, as the book of Hebrews tells us, was insufficient That is why they had to repeatedly make sacrifices to God. We, on the other hand, have been covered by the blood of Jesus' sacrifice, an eternal sacrifice that does not require repeating. Therefore, like Moses and the 73 others on the mountain, we do not die when we come into the presence of the Lord and share in the meal together. Upon finishing the meal, God called Moses further up the mountain in verses 12 and 13. Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. As a reminder, this whole image of Moses and the elders on the mountain are a foreshadowing of the tabernacle and eventual temple. As Moses ascends higher on the mountain, it is like he is entering the Holy of Holies, yet to be built in the tabernacle. Aaron and the elders are in the holy place, and the people are at the base, the courtyard. Moses received the two tablets of the law and commandments, and instructions for building the tabernacle. The imagery of the cloud covering Moses and the voice coming from the cloud ought to conjure up for us another similar story. That is, the story of Jesus at his transfiguration and his eventual ascension. For both of those events consisted of clouds and ascendings. At the transfiguration, a voice spoke to the disciples from a cloud. And when Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he too was covered by a cloud as Moses was on the mountaintop. Moses received instruction from God to bring to the people. Part of those instructions were the blueprints for the tabernacle, a place where God would dwell with his people. Jesus ascended to send the Spirit upon the church to provide instruction in his absence. He, too, is preparing a place for his people to dwell with him, that where I am, you may be also. This whole scene in chapter 24 of Exodus, this whole chapter is one big worship service, a covenant renewal ceremony. 
It may not look exactly like we're used to, but this chapter has many elements of a worship service. As we've seen, there is the reading of the book of the covenant, the blood of the covenant displayed, and bread of the covenant shared. So again, to answer the question from the beginning, what are we doing here on Sunday mornings? We are doing what the Israelites did, what Moses and the elders did in our chapter. We are renewing covenants with God and Him with us. Dr. Michael Horton says the following about worship in his book, A Better Way. It is in this context that we talk about the covenant covenant renewal ceremony. Whenever we gather for public worship, it is because we have been summoned. That is what church means, ecclesia, called out. It is not a voluntary society of those whose chief concern is to share, to build community, to enjoy fellowship, to have moral instruction for their children, and so forth. Rather, it is a society of those who have been chosen, redeemed, called, justified, and are being sanctified until one day they will finally be glorified in heaven. We gather each Lord's Day, not merely out of habit, social custom, or felt needs, but because God has chosen this weekly festival as a foretaste of the everlasting Sabbath day that will be enjoyed fully at the marriage supper of the Lamb. God has called us out of the world and into his marvelous light. That is why we gather. End quote. So may we continue to gather week in and week out that we may renew covenant with God by hearing from the book of the covenant, marked by the blood of the covenant, and fed by the bread of the covenant. Amen. Will you join with me in a prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the truth that it speaks to us. We thank you for this worship service where we are able to renew covenant with you, where we are able to hear your word preached and read, where we are able to partake in this peace offering, this meal, the Lord's Supper. May it nourish us spiritually and physically. May we be prepared for the week and, and days ahead. May it strengthen our faith in you and what you have accomplished for us through your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.